You are listening to the Compliance Conversations podcast by Healthicity. If you work in the healthcare industry, you know how crucial compliance is to your bottom line, your reputation, and the success of your organization as a whole. If this is your first time listening, welcome. A transcript of every Compliance Conversations episode can be found at www.healthicity.com resources, along with a ton of other thought leadership materials. You can add us to your RSS feed and iTunes, or follow us on Twitter and Facebook. Now, let's get on with the show. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Compliance Conversations. I'm CJ Wolf, and I have my wonderful friend and guest, Brian Burton, with us. Hi, Brian. Good morning and good afternoon and evening to those who are listening all over the world and any time of day. That's right. People hopefully are listening to this when they're driving, walking, whatever, <laughs> doing, the, <laughs> doing those fun things. Um, so today we wanted to talk about compliance, like careers and entry level established, those sorts of things. You know, Brian and I just came back from the HCCA in Phoenix. I met a lot of interesting people. I love those in-person conferences because you get to to meet people. I met people who were, you know, maybe mid-career professionally, but they're switching into compliance, right? Um, so they were their first-time compliance officers. I also met a lot of people who were just coming out of college that want to go into compliance. We're seeing a little bit more of that. Um, you know, and in our other podcasts, we've kind of talked about how people end up in compliance and that sort of thing. So you come from all sorts of backgrounds, but we thought it might be fun to talk about kind of those first few days, those first few jobs in compliance and, uh, you know, what we experienced and, and hopefully that'll be useful to you. Yeah. And, and with that thought in mind, CJ, if you could tell us a little bit about your experience I know you have this wonderful background of starting as a as a physician, um, working in the clinical space, and then transitioning into compliance. What was that? What was that like for you? Yeah, it, you know, it was really interesting. A lot of people ask, "Well, how did you go from from you know medical school into compliance?" Um, and I love medical school taught me so many great things and and I don't regret doing that at all. Um, you know, as I moved into um, the compl- into uh, a medical profession, I re- recognized that I didn't really love the direct patient care. And so, but I loved healthcare and I loved, you know, working uh, in the healthcare space. And so I transitioned from that clinical path into a career starting really with coding and billing uh, and trying to teach doctors about documentation and coding and billing. So I remember my first kind of compliance job, um, you know, I was, I was still learning myself. <laughs> so I was kind of, you know, I was hired to teach doctors about compliance and I had to learn it myself. And uh, that was a little daunting, but, you know, I had confidence in my ability to learn and, and I loved learning. And so, you know, some of these, the core skills that I had of being able to teach and explain and those sorts of things, um, I think really lent myself to, to learning a new subject area and then teaching. That's really awesome. Uh, I wish we had a full-blown couple of hours to talk. I would love to hear about all of those experiences one day. Um, but when you, you mentioned starting off uh, and you had to learn compliance yourself, what kind of resources did you did you find at that time? And then maybe what would you recommend today? Yeah, you know, fortunately for me, I had a, an amazing mentor. Um, and she, she just took me under her wing and she kind of, you know, she had been in, in the field for 20 years or so. And, and she just took me under her wing and, and just taught me. And so 
I think if you're early in a career in compliance and you're, or you're maybe thinking of getting into a career in compliance, maybe you come from a nursing background. You know, we talked about this in the other podcast, you know, technical background, whatever you're auditing, legal, whatever your background is that leads you to compliance. Um, or maybe you're coming straight out of school. I think finding a mentor um, is really, really important. And fortunately, my mentor was also my supervisor. So, you know, I had this amazing person. And then I had this team members. So I had one team member who had worked for Medicare and I was constant. And so now we were in a hospital system and he was working in the hospital system too. And so I was bugging him all the time. I'm sure he was like, dude, enough, enough questions. <laughs> he never, he never said that and he never, but you know, I, I just was always asking questions. So kind of to, to your point, I think it's really important to um, be asking questions, finding a mentor if you can, and, um, you know, really working that people angle. Um, and to that point, you know, I think finding mentors, a good way to do that is at conferences, um, you know, meeting people, um, co-present with somebody, right? Uh, I've had people who've out of the blue reached out to me and said, hey, you have this kind of background. I have this kind of background. Let's talk a little bit and see if we might be good co-presenters you know, we co-presented and now we've been friends and colleagues and compliance. So, you know, I think there's, there's all sorts of opportunities like that. Yeah. That's so interesting because I, I think we talked about this a little bit in the last podcast as well. I had a very similar experience. You know, it, it was the mentorship that I had um, with my supervisor, the chief compliance officer at, at my first compliance job was so instrumental to my career um, in, in the, in compliance itself. In, in you know, she was, to your point, she was really interested in helping me learn and grow. Um, and then we had a team of people, um, a, a team of experts that were in various fields doing different things or different areas of compliance. And just, you know, I think if I were if I were talking to a, a, a new um, a new compliance professional day, it was be a sponge, um, build as many friendships and, perf- and, and professional relationships as possible with a varying degree of, of experts. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and, and you talked about this last time too. And then once you're kind of mid to later career, we need to be giving back, right? And we need to be helping others. And so you kind of let that cycle repeat. And, and that's one of the things that I've really enjoyed in my compliance career is watching some of the folks that maybe I hired initially, maybe they didn't have a full compliance background, but I helped shape that and, you know, with their initiative. And that's really rewarding, I, I think. I couldn't agree more. There's a, there's several, several individuals that come to mind for me because, you know, I'm nowhere near as experienced as you are, but, you know, I'd probably give myself that mid career category, um, you know, 12 or 13 years in compliance. Um, and there's been a number of, of new uh, team members that we've had that are right out of college or new to compliance. Uh, and it's, it is really, it's one of the things I loved about coaching new sports. Um, yeah. it, you watch, you watch that development grow. And as they start to ask more questions and they start right. to build that experience and they, you know, one of, one of the best signs for me is when they challenge you with a question, you don't know the answer to anymore. Right. Yeah, exactly. that's, that's when, you know, you, you really helped them develop and mature. Exactly. Well, yeah. And you know, your question that you asked kind of about my first compliance. So when I was starting, you know, I was a, I was a compliance consultant. So you don't typically start off as a compliance officer, right? (laughs) Um, Unless maybe you're mid-career in something else and they're they're asking you to transition. But if you're kind of younger, um, 
that's not usually where you start. And so I wanted to also answer your question kind of the first time that I was hired as a chief compliance officer. And so I had already had, I don't know, 15 years of compliance experience, but now I was in charge of the whole program, right? And that was a little bit different. Um, you know, what, during the interview, for example, I want, because I had some knowledge now on compliance and I knew, and I had been at a couple different organizations, I knew what cultures lent themselves to compliance better than others. And so I was brand new to this organization that I was interviewing with, didn't know their culture very well. And so some of the questions that I asked were very pointed because you want it to be a good fit. Like I asked questions like, okay, if, if we discovered, if you know, you're asking me to set up this compliance program, if I discovered an overpayment of some kind, what would your response be? If I bring to you a problem where we've worked through it and we owe a million dollars in a repayment, what's your response going to be? And so that's, this is before me getting hired. I want to hear, you know, because yeah. that's my job. I'm, I'm coming in to help you find issues. And when we find issues, are we going to do the right thing? And so, you know, that's a hypothetical and they give you their hypothetical answer. And you hope that that'll be true if you ever come across it. But I think asking those kinds of questions up front, you know, who will I be reporting to? Am I going to report to the chief legal officer? You know, most, the OIG uh, and in corporate integrity agreements, they say that should not be the case, right? You should be reporting to CEO and the board. And, and so just things like that, asking, you know, probing questions during the interview. Have you ever had an experience like that or, or have you had well, to ask? A little bit, yeah. And so be perfectly frank and honest, this is my first chief compliance position. Um, you know, I've worked in a few, a couple large health systems as a, as a significant contributor, director and a corporate compliance and led and managed several programs at hospital levels. Um, but this is the first time I've been in this role uh, sure. here with Health SC. And it, and it is, it's a different hat, right? Um you know, and I ask some similar questions. And while Healthicity, we, you know, we're not necessarily involved in the payment process, um, but we do advise our clients through our advisory services work. Um, but but it is, it, it, you know, I, I, I talk to our clients all the time. It's establishing that relationship, understanding what that rapport needs to be. How does this, how does your organization manage um, those significant issues? Who are the key players? Um, because it, it's a tough job to be in compliance, right? We're, we're a cost center most of the time. We're not revenue generating. Right. And, we're, we're, and when we're doing our job really well, most of the time we're finding some issues, right? right? That, that, that result in more expenditures. Exactly. Um, and it's a tough position to be in. Uh, and so establishing those relationships with the, with key people inside your organization, the finance team, you know, your leadership team, the board, the CEO, and, and however the organization chooses to, to align compliance, it varies. But, you know, to your point, CIAs and it and I can tell you from from personal experience, it's always better to have compliance reporting up through the chief executive officer and and the board. Right. Yeah. Because you want that you want the ability and the autonomy to execute the compliance program right. effectively. Right. Um, and, and, you know, no, no fault to any CFO in the world, but their, their job is to protect the revenue of the organization. Right. Right. Well, um, and same and, with legal officers, right? I mean, their job, the, the corporation is their client. They have legal obligations to protect that client, to do certain things. And this is not to say that you don't work collaboratively with legal. I always had a very collaborative you know, relationship with most legal departments. And so 
it's not, you're not saying I need to be, you know, in contention with these other departments. It's to effectively, if you're, if you as an organization want a true effective compliance program, these are the principles. If you want window dressing, if you're just looking to, you know, check some boxes, that's a different approach. I'm probably not the best fit for that type of organization. Good luck to you. Thank you for interviewing me. And, you know, I wish you all the luck in the world. So, you know, that. And each person is going to have a different kind of take on, on that fit feeling, right? And so we're, we're doing the podcast to try to help people who are either trying to get into compliance. Um, those, are some of, those are some of the things that if, if I were interviewing today, for regardless of whether you're the chief compliance officer or a compliance position, I would just ask some of those questions about, you know, has the organization had to, you know, and you don't want to get into details because they're not going to necessarily report some things, but you want to probe. I guess it's a question <laughs> or the answer. Yeah, I, I agree. And 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 we talked about overpayments, but sometimes too, it's it's good to ask those same probing questions. What what's the normal process or the procedure for managing really complex or sensitive sensitive issues? Right. A lot of times we get we get brought into you know HR related matters that might deal with harassment or a hostile work environment. Um, how, how does the organization handle that when it's a physician involved or a member of the leadership team? Understanding those complexities and how or has the organization experienced those before. And, and so you as an interview candidate can really get a sense for what is what is the environment like? What is the culture? What is my working relationship going to be like with this leadership team? Yeah. Well, let me ask you, let's kind of flip it a little bit. You and I have, I think, both hired people in compliance roles, right? Um, so we were the hiring manager. So for those that are listening, they might be interested in knowing, well, what are interviewers interested in knowing, right? Um, so maybe think about that. I'll kind of maybe answer that question first. So when I was interviewing for compliance, I wasn't so interested so much, in, and this is maybe more my management style. I'm interested more in the core of the person. It's like, I can teach you coding. I can teach you billing. I can teach you HIPAA regs. I can teach you this and that. I want to know what your core um, kind of ethical beliefs are, what your, how do you deal with conflict? Um, I want to know, you know, how, how you, of course, I want somebody who has experience in compliance, but if, if I have a pool of applicants, uh, to me, I sometimes weigh heavier the ability to solve problems, to communicate, to, to research, to learn, because you and I both know that you, you come into a compliance role with some information, but that doesn't, in some knowledge, you have to often learn new knowledge. I don't think there's any compliance person in a role that hasn't had to research something new. And so oh, it's how do you deal with that? And how do you deliver a message that, that could be, you know, we're doing something that we shouldn't be, or we're potentially out of compliance and those sorts of things. So as, as people listening who are wanting to interview with compliance officers or compliance people hiring, those are some of the things that I think are important when I am interviewing. What, what are your kind of key? I think we're really close, closely aligned. I'm looking for interpersonal and behavioral um, activities. So my interview process is, as been rather extensive in the past and and most recently too. Um, I'm looking for I'm looking for someone who can be dynamic, who can be who, who can listen active or practice active listening, um, and, and can manage and and difficult scenarios with different types of personalities. 
Um, yes. Because because as compliance professionals, we're going to talk to all levels of the organization from, from the very top of the board all the way down to our frontline staff providing care or or maintaining the facilities, right? We, we have yes. to be able to communicate with everyone. Um, and as natural human beings, there are varying personalities. And, and as a compliance professional, you almost need to be an, well, you do need, you need that, those expert communication skills. Right. Um, but not just, you know, not just communicating out, but the ability to listen and understand, right. know, uh, understand what, what are nonverbal cues, um, understanding people's body language and how they're communicating. Cause we can go from helping someone navigate a difficult situation and employee interactions to conducting a very thorough interview process where you're trying to determine whether or not someone's being honest with you in, in the yeah. interview process. Right. Yeah. So it gets, so for me, to your point, we can, you know, we're looking for people who are, who are actively seeking opportunities to learn and grow and they want to be that sponge. I think I made that that reference earlier. You, if you're going to be a compliance professional, you really need to go into the profession knowing things are always changing. It's a you know it's a never ending learning opportunity, um, and then you have to be able to digest that information, effectively communicate, and then actively listen. Yeah. So so let's say we've hired this person, we've done our interviewing, and we we found somebody, and they're let's say they're kind of early career, right? Um, and they're really pretty new to compliance. What resources would you ask them to kind of rely upon? Because being a sponge, they need some liquid to soak up. Where do they get that liquid? <laughs> Is it, you know, certain conferences? Is it certain certifications? Um, you know, certain free resources that you found? What kinds of things for somebody that's new to compliance do you think are useful? I think one of the, the number one resource and, and and they're not compensating us for this, but the number one resource is HCCA. Yeah. Um, you know, becoming a member of that community, um, finding other like-minded individuals who are focused on learning and growing in the area of compliance is, is my number one resource. Um, number two, um, if you're two, twofold, if you're new to compliance, go to the DOJ website, find the find a recent corporate integrity agreement. And as long as they are, if you're really interested in being a compliance professional, read two or three of those in their entirety, study them, make notes, ask questions, and then find another compliance professional that you can ask your questions to about that corporate integrity agreement. Um, That will, for a new, for someone who's considering that as a job role, I think that's a really good exercise um, to just be familiar. How does the government enforce compliance? Yeah. Um, And then is this something that still really interests me? And then as a seasoned professional, it's still good to be familiar with how those corporate integrity agreements are developing over time. Because I, I know you know this. I mean, the way those are, are authored today are right. very different than they were 10 years ago. Right. right. And so understanding that evolution of change, what's being practiced today um, is just as relevant to all, to all of our compliance programs across across healthcare. Yeah. I agree. So DOJ, you know, they have their evaluation of corporate compliance programs, OIG and the, and the corporate integrity agreements. The other thing on OIG, um, so depending on what kind of sector you're in, so remember the OIG, and this is not necessarily to you, but to those listening, uh, remember the OIG has um, compliance guidance documents. 
Um, we know what the seven elements are, but how do those seven elements apply depending on the provider type? So they have specific guidance documents for hospitals, for nursing homes. They have a separate you know, one for physician practices, for DME and orthotics and prosthetics, for ambulance, for home health, for hospice. So these different provider payers. Types, Right. Uh, exactly. Uh, payers. And so I, depending on what, you know, subsector of healthcare you're in, that might also be a really good um, starting point or starting resource to, to kind of look at what OIG has published as far as guidance documents. Um, and then, like you said, kind of following audits and that sort of thing, you know, most of us can uh, subscribe to the listservs for OIG. You can, you can be notified when a new audit is done. So that's kind of at the federal level as far as resources. The other thing I think is really important is depending on what state you're in, looking at some of those state enforcement agencies. So I know uh, some larger states especially have OIGs within the state. So I'm familiar with the state of Texas. I'm familiar with the state of New York. Uh, They have some pretty a little bit more robust than, you know, maybe smaller populated states uh, in uh, state level type of um, enforcement. And then of course the Medicaid fraud control units, if you're in that space. So it's kind of, to me, it's like finding out your jurisdiction or your, your region, and then kind of pulling resources, both from a federal level, as well as a local or state level, or maybe industry specific. And, And that also reminds me talking about as you evolve your career in compliance, I think one of the things that, that I really benefited from, um, and I'm curious in your perspective as well, I found over time, you know, my my area of focus would change, right? And I, one of the things that my mentor did for me was give me new challenges in different areas of compliance right. to really broaden my my experience, but add tools to my tool belt, if you will, right? right? Um, those of you who might have listened to the first uh, podcast might recall I started off triaging hotline calls. That, that, that was really my first task as a compliance professional. Um, but over time, you know, my mentor gave me different tasks, different challenges, moved from, from that to doing auditing and monitoring, different types of monitoring and audit activities, right. um, and then moving into training and education and, and really, you know, finding that evolution across the seven elements and gaining experience in each of those areas. What, what was your I know you started in billing and coding transitioning as a physician, yeah. but what were some of your experiences in the other areas of compliance? Yeah. So, you know, early in my career it was really focused around kind of coding revenue cycle, both on the physician level first, and then on the hospital level, I got involved in the hospital um, level. And then um, I, I started to move towards general compliance. And so that background in coding and billing really helped auditing, reviewing, finding issues, you know, doing self-correction, corrective action plans. But then I got involved into some other areas, things like uh, clinical research, um, HIPAA. You know, I was, I was interested, you know, I, I, this was probably around eight years into it. I started to get, feel like, okay, I think I get the coding and billing piece. That doesn't mean I know everything about it, but just about 95% of what was coming my way, I figured out a way to, to resolve. I'm like, okay, I kind of need that next challenge. And, and HIPAA was, was something that I wasn't trained in, wasn't familiar with. And so I started inserting myself into certain meetings, asking our HIPAA experts, could I be a part of this? Um, and, and that was really interesting. And then when I um, transitioned to work for a for-profit 
international medical device company that was publicly traded, I had a whole new set of things that I had to learn. So they still had HIPAA and anti-kickback and all that sort of stuff. But I was now working with the Foreign Corrupt Practices Act. So international types of laws, um, you know, European Union types of regulations, um, export controls, all sorts of really interesting things. And to me, that kept me interested in, in learning and growing as a compliance professional. Uh, it also, I, the other thing that I would say is, you know, we're talking about, you know, trying to be a sponge, but also during that, that uh, uh, journey, identify what you may know you're not very good at, <laughs> right? <laughs> knowing our boundaries and knowing, uh, you know, I could push myself through this, but I would definitely not be as effective as, you know, John over there. I know John is good at this. So, you know, kind of learning where your boundaries and, and are and, and then relying on others and, and kind of collaborating can also be really helpful. That, that's such a valuable point. Um, and I think that's why one one reason why you and I work really well together is I can establish the scope of a billing and coding audit, but I'm not going to be the person who's qualified to open up a medical record, look at the CPT procedure codes and determine whether or not the the, uh, the medical record documentation met the net medical necessity of that code. Right. I need subject matter experts to help me with that. Right. Um, I can look at data and data mining and determine if we have outliers and whether or not we might need to do a focused audit, but I'm not that expert. And so that's a great point to, to highlight, you know, you're not going to know everything. Compliance is, I like to say compliance is five miles wide and five miles deep. And, and, you know, you're never, at least I, I have yet to meet anybody who can cover 25 square miles of compliance. Right. Um, yep. And so building relationships with experts in other areas, complementing your skills um, is an instrumental part of being successful. And plus that also can add to efficiency. So I, you know, I know enough about maybe a certain topic that I could push myself through it, but it might take me two weeks to do that when I know somebody else knows it off the top of their head and they can do it in two days. And so um, it's also learning how to be more efficient and to use your, your, collegial uh, relationships in the most effective way. Right. Um, so that's a great point. Yeah, that's um, fantastic. Yeah. Let, you know, we're getting a little bit towards the end. Let's talk a little bit about money. Um, <laughs> yeah. A lot Everybody of, wants to know about that, right? Show me the money. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, well, you know, well, the first thing I was going to say, if you're looking to get rich, choose a different profession. <laughs> um, if you want to have a really successful career and, and, and have a, you can be very successful and make a reasonable amount of money if you're new. Um, and for me, and, and you talked about it before too. I mean, even when we're, when we're managing and negotiating our own salaries or we're looking to hire and set a salary range for a potential new position, there are a ton of resources out there. I think always the, the best way for me is a complement of multiple resources. Again, HCCA puts out a, a really good tool. I think they, they do it, near annually um, where you can, they survey members on salary. Um, and then other resources like LinkedIn, salary.com and other recruiting websites are great resources to counterbalance. Um, what do you think? 
Yeah, no, I think you're spot on. So with those surveys, the HCA surveys, and you know, you had mentioned this in a prior conversation we had about regional differences, right? So some states like California might have a higher starting salary than, than others for the same. So there's regional differences, there's differences in education level, obviously there's differences in experience. Um, you know, it's kind of hard to say exactly, but you know, I, I also teach um, in, in an undergraduate uh, institution as well as a graduate school, but um, some of those students who are just coming out, they think, oh, I want that chief compliance officer job that's, you know, six figures. It, it usually doesn't come right out of out of school. <laughs> usually you need five to 10 years experience uh, in that sort of thing. But, you know, it, you know, probably in the some areas of the country, you're looking at start entry level compliance analysts and those sorts of things, maybe 50, 60, 70, 80,000, depending on what the level is. Um, what the region is, and then definitely you can get into into six figures, like you're saying, and, and have a very comfortable um, career. But you're right, you're not you're not um, you're not going to be buying that yacht, probably. <laughs> but you know, I, I think for me, what's more important than than salary is the relationships that we get to build um, and the meaningful impact we have to the healthcare community in general. Uh, I, I tell I tell my my staff here. Uh, and, and people I work with on a day-to-day basis. The reason I love compliance is because I get I, I can't put band-aids on children very well, but I can help you manage your compliance program. And that effective compliance program translates to a culture of safety, which translates better to better patient care in those communities. And, and for me, I know this sounds altruistic, but I, you know, I love that my job gets to help people get better health care. Yeah. Well, and you know, to that point, like um, what I always found kind of energizing and motivating for me was, can I simplify this doctor's day by understanding this rule presented in a way that, you know, doctor, they still have to do what they have to do with compliance. I can't do everything for them, but I can sure simplify 80% of it, have them do their piece and we both can be successful. And now I've given him back time or her time to, you know, see more patients. And so, or avoiding, you know, uh, pitfalls where, you know, look, if you get into this space, you're going to be looking at consultants and legal fees and investigations and reputational harm and all this stuff you don't want to do, you know, let's stay on this side of it. Um, And then doing that for all sorts, not just doctors, nurses, therapists, administrators, you know, like you mentioned, quality and safety. I just, I find that fulfilling personally. Me too. I I think that's why I love this job. It's why I love helping people. It's why I love having these conversations with you and and to help help build new relationships. And and hopefully some people are interested in joining the profession. Um, I guess the last thing I I would say is if you really are listening to this, this, this podcast and you think you're interested in compliance, feel free to reach out to me. Uh, I would love to have a quick conversation with you. Um, if you're looking for that person who who might be able to put you on a path and help direct you, uh, provide a, a you know a check in periodically to help mentor, um, that that's a great opportunity, and I'm willing to do that. I can do it for hundreds of people, but w- <laughs> if you are interested, reach out. Let's see if we can connect. Absolutely, and I would I would echo that. You know, I I encourage people like when I am presenting, I usually throw up my LinkedIn. Link so you know, search for us on LinkedIn. Connect with us that way as well. Uh, maybe we can even put those things in the show notes. We'll we'll ask our our producers here how to to do that sort of thing. But um, yeah, absolutely, reach out. 
that's fantastic. CJ, I, I, I really value these times that we get to spend together. It was great to see you at the conference a few weeks ago. Um, to your earlier point, it's great to see people in person. I know we're we're in this new virtual world and uh, we're doing a Zoom today, but you know, it's great to connect with people and look forward to, to hearing from you again soon and, and the audience. Yeah. And thanks for joining us, Brian, on, on another episode of Compliance Conversations. And thanks to everybody for listening. Uh, until next time, be compliant, <laughs> be healthy. Have a great day. <laughs> Have a great yep. day, everyone. <laughs> Bye-bye. Compliance Conversations is sponsored by Healthicity. Healthicity designs software and services that simplify compliance and auditing challenges that reduce your risk and save you money. Where others see complexity, we see simplicity. For more information, visit healthicity.com.